0: Hey, Daddy, I want a golden goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those.
1: Bonka, how much do you want for the golden goose? They're not for sale. Name the price. She can't have one.
0: Who says I can't?
1: The man with the funny hat. I want
0: one. I want a golden goose. Gooses, geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least 100 a day. Anything you say. And by the way. What? I want a feast.
1: You ate before you came to the factory?
0: I want a bean feast.
1: One of those.
0: Cream buns and doughnuts and fruit cake with no nuts. So good you could go nuts. You're going to have all those things when you get home. No, now! I want a ball. I want a party. Take macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me. <laughs> now! I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket It's my bar of chocolate Give it to me now I want today I want tomorrow I want to wear them like braids in my hair And I don't want to share them! I want a party with roomfuls of laughter Ten thousand tons of ice cream And if I don't get the things I am after I'm going to scream! I want the works, I want the whole works Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises Of all shapes and sizes and now Don't care how I want it now Don't care how I
1: want it now
2: She was a bad egg. where's she gone? Where all the other bad eggs go, down the garbage chute.
1: Oh, the garbage chute. (laughs) Where did it lead to? To the furnace. (laughs) To furnace? (laughs) She'd be sitting like a
2: sausage. Well, not necessarily. She could be stuck just inside the tube. Inside the
1: Hold on, Veruca, sweetheart. Daddy's coming.
2: I thought that summed up greed pretty well. I don't need it, but I want it. And I want it right now, or else I'm going to scream! Ooh. Don't mean to scare the young people up front. <laughs> <laughs> and the, Did I wake up others? Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up. No. If last week we called gluttony excessive Consumption uh, we could call greed excessive collection, okay, and it comes from this selfish heart filled with uncontrolled appetites. Now, I just brought this up, and this is not in the plan, but I was looking at the <laughs> the chairs uh, the seats where my kids were this morning, and unsolicited, my kids brought some things this morning. Well, it didn't shoot up in the air as much as I was hoping. Uh, so my kids, I don't know if anybody else has kids, but they have a lot of toys, don't they? Now we live in America where it's like, too much, too many, you have enough. This is what they brought. This is what, I think this is Ellie. I can't even hold them all. <laughs> this is what she brought this morning to play with. And we have a bunch more at home. But you know what? We go to scene 75 or we go to Walmart. And you know what my kids say? Oh. I want more. I deserve more. I need more. But honey, but you have so many at home. Yeah, but they're not this one. They're not this kind. And, and I need another. And I want it right now. Like that. It's just raining toys at our house. What was it, Rachel, last year or the year before, we purged a bunch of stuff and gave tons of toys away to Goodwill and other things. And we still have so many toys left. Now, kids do that, but adults do that too. Okay, And adults have this, uh, we don't scream and we don't whine as much as kids or maybe we do sometimes but we can have this I want it, I deserve it yeah what I have works fine but now that I know that they have a new one then my old one is now instantly junk and I don't want that old thing I need the new thing, the bigger thing, the fancier thing, the faster thing, the shinier thing the whatever thing it is and it's this desire that we have desire to acquire The desire to possess more. It can just fill and fill and fill our hearts. And like we've been talking about the past couple months, everything's ramped up because of the past year and a half in this COVID-19 business. Does anybody remember the great toilet paper shortages of 2020? We used to get this box uh, at Sam's Club because we have a large family, so we get a large box. And I'm telling you, it took us eight months before that thing was in stock again. After everybody just bought them off the shelf every time we were there. And it was like this mad rush. Just a bunch of, it's like Black Friday. Whenever they put the toilet paper out, it's like you open the doors and everybody just goes back and takes all the toilet paper. And But they were stocking up, see? It's not that they needed toilet paper more than ever before. It's not that somebody, everybody suddenly got sick with diarrhea or something. You know, It's that they were hoarding, stockpiling, being greedy, taking all the toilet paper that they could. They had to put limits on it eventually for themselves and the meat products and other things that you went to the store and you're like, where did the bread aisle go? where did the meat aisle go? there's nothing left, dairy hoarding stockpiling out of fear Rachel talked about that a couple months ago out of anxiety, out of uncertainty but also out of greed collecting this huge stockpile of whatever in my house which could be wise for the future but as they're doing that not wise in this in the way that they did it because it was taken away from everybody else who needed meat who didn't have it who didn't have the dairy who didn't have the toilet paper and who really 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 needed it there was these brothers in Tennessee you may have heard of them they went around and they bought up almost 18,000 gallons of hand sanitizer. Did you hear about this last year? Taking it from all the stores, from all the shelves that they could. And what they did was they had planned before they got caught and it's actually illegal to do this. I forget the technical term that it's called. But you can't... Price gouging? Something like that. Yeah. They... Hoarded all this hand sanitizer, and they were trying to sell it back to desperate people at an exorbitant rate. They wanted to make a ton of bank, taking advantage of scared people. Some political company—not political. Some companies uh, took advantage of all the 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 scared people and the fear, and they were kind of greedy and coming in and. Hiking up their prices, and you know, to sell all the things that people were scared and stockpiling up, and then politically, there's a, you know, we can be greedy in other ways. We're not going to get into all that today. We're going to focus on money. But what did they do? They got a lot more control of a lot of the states, of a lot of the world. And when when people in charge get more and more control, do you think they like to give that up very easily? They hold on to that power. Greedy for power. What do they say? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Greedy for power. Stockpile. So greed affects our lives in a lot of ways. And we've got to seek to overcome this. To be a victor over greed. Or else it can destroy our lives. Greed destroys not only our finances. But our marriages can destroy our, our career. Destroys Excuse me. Our families, our uh, our country, our churches, and the world. Greed can destroy a whole lot. If you want some practical ways on money management to do money management, uh, we're not going to do that today. A couple months ago, we had we talked about Joseph. We really delved into budgeting, saving, spending, uh, debt. We talked about that a lot. And if you want to go back and listen to that message, you can. You've got to get your stuffies and your blanket. Okay, You can listen to that. That's not going to be the focus today. Today's the focus of going to the root of what is the, the driver behind a lot of these money problems and the driver behind um, an evil thing in our heart that really just decimates so much. And that's greed. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians, near the end of the Bible. Philippians, Ephesians, uh, Colossians. It's one of those little letters that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, which is near Greece somewhere. Did I say that right? Philippians, no, Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. My Professor Anthony Buzzard at Bible College used to say, GEPC, Georgia Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you ever wanted a better way to remember that, let's take a look at Colossians chapter 3. There's a lot of verses on money and greed. I put a bunch in your notes. I'm not going to do them all today. You're welcome. No, unless you want this to be a few hours long. I'm trying to be shorter for junior church. <laughs> I'm not going to make 30 minutes. But uh, read your notes. Check them out this week. Pray over those verses as we try to combat greed in our hearts. Here's one Colossians 3 5. So put to death. That's how serious this is. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be, say it with me, greedy. Don't be what? Greedy. Greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Wow. That really sums it up pretty well. Greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. That's it. Uh, First thought, you can write this down, is that greed turns us into idol worshippers, just like Paul says there in Colossians. We've been talking a lot about idols the past few weeks. We've been talking about addictions and gluttony and how things can creep into our heart and we we chase after that more than we chase after God. That's an idol, a modern day idol. And this happens with greed a lot too. The more you acquire, the more you desire. And it's this more monster. I talk to my kids about the more monster inside of all of us. And this more monster wants to... Uh, just want more and more and more and more and more. And he's never satisfied. And you go to scene 75 and you go to Walmart and your kids say more 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 more. But adults do that too, don't we? We see the commercials. That's what commercials are. Trying to create a dissatisfaction in you. The car that you have isn't good enough. You need this new one. The phone that you have isn't good enough. You need the new one. Sometimes the spouse that you have isn't good enough, you need a new one. That's our culture. Greedy for more, 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 more. And the more monster always wants bigger, better, faster, newer, shinier, sleeker, whatever it is. This more monster will take over our lives, our heart with idols if we let it. Just keep feeding it with stuff and then eventually, like with addiction and gluttony, it's just... It takes over that space in our heart that's meant for God and Jesus. Obviously, well, is money a good thing or a bad thing? Shout it out. Good thing or bad thing? Ah, see? It depends what you do with it. It is both. It is good. It is bad. It's like a brick. You can throw a brick through a window, or you can build a hospital, right? That's what Dave Ramsey says. Money is both, and that's why it's kind of hard, like, because you got to eat it you got to have money to survive to buy food to live to do other things so we have to deal with it And so we, we're always wrestling with this idol of money in our hearts but it's uh, both it can do so much good in this world it can help so much people but when you go from owning stuff to having that stuff own you then it's a problem when you go from controlling your finances to having your finances control you, that's when it becomes a problem, when it's controlling our hearts. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, Beware! Guard against every kind of greed, Jesus says. Life is not measured by how much you owe. We have to be on guard. We have to put our shield up. We have to play defense or else greed just creeps right on in there. But sometimes people say, oh, it's just money and possessions, not a big deal. It's just stuff. I'm not really wrapped up in it. But we've got to be careful because Jesus also said, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And no one can serve two masters. You may have heard this one, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And there go the stuffed animals. We cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. There's only so much room in our heart. Only so much room in money. Jesus could have used a lot of other things besides money. There's a lot of other idols in our world. But he said money because he knows how deeply entrenched that can get within our soul, within our lives. We think that money equals freedom, but it's slavery if we can't let it go. It can become slavery. Slavery to the the money, the banks, the credit cards, whatever. Solomon, there's this uh, guy in the Bible, relative of David, Solomon. And he was one of the wisest men who ever lived. He said these words in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. It's in your notes. You can review it this week. Solomon says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. How many people do that? Be wise enough to know when to quit, Solomon says. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Or the more monster just gets us and gets us. He also said, why should we not wear ourselves out? He says, those who love money will never have enough. Boy, isn't that true? That's the American dream, right? Just more, 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 more. Not all of it, but that is... Part of it for some people. Those who love money will never have money enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. It can buy some things to make you happy for a time, but that's not true happiness. The more you have, Solomon says, the more people come to help you spend it. And that's true too. So, what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Know that if you let money and stuff define your happiness, you will never be happy and you'll always feel like you don't have enough. So, will you feed the more monster or will you starve the more monster in your heart? What possessions in your life or what pursuit of them is uh, has a grip on your heart today? What are you chasing after with money? And do you worship money and stuff or will you worship the God who graciously gives you those things to enjoy but don't let those things be your world. We've got to let God just like with everything else, let God and Jesus be our world. So what do we do? with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I think Paul, but I guess I'm using Paul exclusively today, or, or turning there mostly. Colossians, Timothy, Corinthians, yeah. Paul is just an incredible human being. He said some amazing things from God and wrote these words to his son in the face, Timothy, that just really nail it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 6. Paul says, Yet true godliness with contentment mm, is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be what? Content. Let us be content. So much of the greed in this world, well, because greed is the opposite of contentment. Just more, more, more. Never content with what we have. Look at verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Who wants to be plunged into ruin and destruction? Raise your hand. Woo! Woo! Me! Me! No! We don't want to be plunged into ruin and destruction. And yet, how many times do we fall in this trap of chasing after riches? Verse 10. For the love of money, take note, not money by itself it depends what you do with it, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and some people, craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Do you want that to be you? Who wants to be pierced with many sorrows? Who wants to wander from the true faith? None of us do. But It so easily happens when that greed creeps in and it pushes out the things of God in our heart. And we drift away from God, perhaps slowly over time, not realizing how the things of this world have gotten a grip on our hearts. And we wake up one day and realize I am so far from God and this world has gotten such a hold of me. And so you might need to amputate a few things in your life. Amputate the greed. Amputate the things that are causing the greed in your life. Let don't let greed get a grip on your heart. If something in your life, money, a possession is causing you to stumble, you don't need that new car. Maybe sell it, get an old beat up one that you're content with. Whatever it is in your life. It's a lot of examples. Think about that for you. Verse 17. Go down to verse 17. So Paul tells Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world. By the way, we got to pause there. You say, I'm not rich, but I'm not rich. That's Bill Gates. That's Jeff Bezos. I'm not rich. (laughs) What was the statistic? I'm trying to remember it up on the spot, which isn't the best way. When you live in America, if you have one car, you are richer than, is it 98% of the world or something? It's a lot. (laughs) What we have in America... A poor American is richer than most of the rest of the world. Just so you know. You are rich. Even if you're on food stamps. Even if you don't have hardly anything to your name. You are rich in so many ways. Jim?
3: The statistic you gave some time back was if you make the average income...
2: That's what it was. In the uni- Thank the you.
3: average income in the United States... You are in the upper 6% of okay. the
2: world. Wow, you remember that. Because I didn't. <laughs> That's good. I think the average median income in America 50, might be 40,000, 50,000 ish. You're in the top 6% of the world. Right. There we go. And You're in the top mean, 6%.
3: Greed <laughs> is one of the two main reasons for war.
2: Mm. Yeah. It listens the other. Yeah.
3: And uh, greed can also put your family in danger.
2: Absolutely. Because so? if you
3: attain enough money, greed is people wanting to get that money from you and kidnap your family or mm. harm you or something you like that.
2: Like a kidnapping deal, trying to get get your money?
3: Be content.
2: Yeah. You need or-
3: roof over your head, clothes mm-hmm. on your back, food mm-hmm. on the table. It doesn't say what kind or how much, but those three things be content with them if you mm-hmm. have
2: it. Greed also breaks up families. I've seen families after a loved one dies, they're fighting over the stuff and the money that's left, destroying relationships. But yeah, we are so rich in America.
3: Brother in law family over there back years ago. Couldn't settle. And they had an antique automobile that was sitting at the back of the Brethren home property, deteriorating because they could not mm-hmm. settle the estate. Mm-hmm. And that one thing that they were fighting over by the time they settled wasn't worth anything.
2: Rust it out. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't put our trust in the things of this world where moths and rust destroy. That's another verse in your notes today. But put our Trust in heavenly riches. But yeah, that's a good point, Jim. Greed destroys the world. How many wars, how many people have died? Billions. Since the beginning of time. From greed, from wanting more. Let's continue on. First Timothy chapter 6. So we are rich. Teach those who are rich in this world. Verse 17, not to be proud. Not to trust in their money for security. That's hard. Which is so unreliable, we know that, with the stock market. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need, food, money, clothing, or food, (laughs) house, and clothing, right? Richly gives us all we really need, which is different from our wants, for our enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. How do we combat greed? You can write this down. Last thought. Contentment and generosity are the cure for greed. How do we cure this sickness, this evil of greed inside of us? Contentment and generosity. Contentment and generosity. And Paul talks about both of those here. Be content. With what you have, and be generous. Mm. Using our money to do good, to help those around us. So many needs everywhere you look. And uh, always be ready, ready to share with others. Being content with the things that we have, and that's knowing when enough is enough. Stuffed animals. My kids. Know. Knowing when enough is enough and, and giving our money away to help those around us are two of the m- biggest things we can do to fight that, the greed monster, the more monster in our hearts, that idol of greed. Can you and I say what Paul writes in Philippians 4? I have learned to be content. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, a lot of times people take that verse out of context. And they say, I can do football because Jesus gives me strength. That's not, that's not really uh, what he meant. It is a good verse. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Yes. We want to believe that. Um, it is true in many ways it would be harder for me to become an astronaut you, know, you hear, see what I'm saying some things are harder but the context of the verse is contentment so if you want to use that verse in context just saying you can become content in your life because Jesus can give you the strength to do it to kill that more monster in your heart to kill that greed in your life Unfortunately, it doesn't happen easily. Ridding ourselves of greed doesn't happen by accident because we live in a world that is just more, 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 buy, 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 buy. You're not happy until you have this in your pocket that you're driving, in your house, whatever it is. You'll only be happy when you buy this. And so we have got to combat those desires from our heart, from our culture that's just surrounded by greed with the truth of God's word. By knowing that that is never, never, never going to fully satisfy us. Money, stuff, it's fun. Toys are fun. Big kid toys like motorcycles and boats and campers and RVs and big screen TVs those are it's not a sin to buy things to own things but it's when the that thing owns your heart and you're just so focused and you spend so much time on it hobby whatever you know a car is good to get you from a to b are you walk, washing and waxing your car every day trying to keep it in pristine condition because it's you know, you're shining your idols. I don't know. That's a question we've got to ask ourselves in our heart. We want to take care of things, but we don't want them to have the grip. See, so, and that's why it's hard. It's like with food. You've got to eat food. In America, it really helps to have a car. A lot of us have two or three or more. It's not having the stuff. It's when the stuff has us. And that greed creeps in so incredibly easily. So we've got to learn to be Content. Last verse, if you want to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Paul writes something else really, 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 really good. I want to close on 2 Corinthians. Contentment and giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Had a combat greed in our life. 2 Corinthians 9, look at verse 5. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not a gift given grudgingly. There was always going to be willing out of the overflow of a grateful heart. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, not want, need, and plenty left over to share with others. That's the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's the things that really last. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way, not always, financially, lots of ways to be rich, to be blessed, so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God because of you. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Do you want to be a conduit of God's blessing to other people? Verse 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God because of you. For their genero- your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. You're obedient. When you're generous to help others. Verse 14, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. I love that passage from Paul to give generously. And what does giving generously do? It not only stops the greed in our lives, but it also greatly. Impacts the people around us. So it's a two fold blessing. It blesses us and it blesses other people. Being content, being generous, changes our life and the life of people around us. Now, obviously, uh, money is a big thing. You can buy a lot of things with money to help people, you can buy mosquito nets to help um, people in Africa not get malaria. You can buy clean water supplies to help people around the world. Just drink water. You can uh, donate to Lord's Harvest International, our missions organization, to help churches around the world with all kinds of stuff. Buy Bibles, buy bicycles for pastors or, and evangelists. Buy bicycles for people to take the good news of Jesus around Africa. Like, why don't they just get in their car? Because they don't have really, they don't have good roads there, or any roads. They're driving bicycles, so many, we have no concept of what ministry in Africa or or other places, Russia, China, uh, Central America, what these people go through is so much different than America. And we can donate towards that. You can donate your money to Troy View Church. We don't pass the offering plates around anymore. Uh, You can give online, you can give in these offering boxes we have back um, by the tech booth to help our ministry in Troy, Ohio, you can give to Partners in Hope. You can give to. You guys know so many charities. Money, money, money is a big help to buy food, to buy clothing, to buy necessities, to help somebody. Um, you know, what we've done in our Deacon's Fund is to cover some rent, to pay light bills, to pay water bills, to pay for a lot of different random things. What was the random thing? Oh, shoes, bus tickets. I. We paid from our deacon's fund to help uh, this guy who didn't know him. He had grass this high. That's how I got my poison ivy. He had grass this high and I paid a guy to help me to mow it down while I trimmed the weeds that were as high as trees. But that's another way. So we can help money but we can also help with service by by giving our love boom, to other people by giving your love... Okay, you say... I don't have a lot of money to give... You might want to go back... To the budgeting lesson... And... Uh, to help us... To not just spend all our money... On stuff we don't need... But you say... I don't have much money... Well... A lot of people need love... What does that mean? Well... You can go and... Serve your neighbor... By mowing the yard... If they're... Just got out of the hospital... And they can't do it... You can help somebody... Physically, if you're able, in a lot of different ways. Moving stuff, helping in their yard, cooking food for them, for people in need. You can also be a listening ear. Some people just need an encouragement. They need a phone call. They're lonely, like we talked about a few months ago. They don't have many people to talk to. You can go take somebody out, which is where the money comes in too. Take them out for uh, lunch or coffee and just be a friend encourage them, support them. A lot of ways, we could go on and on and on, practical ways we can serve and give and listen and be supportive to the people around us. So it's not always just money. It can be money. Money might be included in service. But serving and giving, how about time? We can give of our time. Again, listening to somebody. Calling them, taking them out to eat, to coffee, whatever they're into. Going on a walk with them. Asking how they're doing. Taking time. You know, our world is so busy when somebody takes time out of their schedule to contact you. Isn't that meaningful? Where's Chris Lucas? (laughs) Write a letter. Use the post office. Keep her in business. Okay? (laughs) You get a letter in the mail that's addressed to you that's not a bill. That's a big day. That's a big day, especially for kids. They love getting that stuff. My kids always ask, anything for me? Anything for me? I say, if you want to pay this water bill to the city, they're like, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> Give up your time. Also included in that, and that, kind of goes along with it, is love. Service to help people. If you don't have money, or even if you do, give of your money, but also give of your time. It's easy, if we have a lot of money, to throw money towards a cause, but it's harder to go and volunteer. It takes more time, more energy. Oh, speaking of... Energy. Okay? It goes along together with our time. But (laughs) this is an energy bar. Giving our energy. uh, The way that you um, can help so many people practically is to be there helping with the needs that they have it's going to be really different for a lot of different people but if you have some energy and not everybody has the same amount of energy but whatever you have you can give generously like Paul says to help the needs of people around you serving, loving, giving what else do I got in my pockets? how about Desiree knows this one Maybe I should do this. Your talents. okay? A lot of people are talented in a lot of different ways. Some people are talented to be nurses or doctors. Other people are talented. They have very good knowledge of how a car works. Because I sure don't. And I call my brother and say, what is broken? What does this sound mean? The talents that you have... Maybe you're good at computers and you can help somebody who's having computer problems. Maybe you're good at gardening and you can help somebody plan out their garden uh, to have even food, vegetables, food. I mean, Partners in Hope had a community garden for a lot of years. I don't know if they did it this, this year, but what other talents do you have? What skills, what abilities has God blessed you with? The knowledge of sewing something or making something with your hands. The ability to build something. Man. uh, What is it? Houses for habitat? No. Habitat for humanity. They build. Thank you. Habitat for humanity. They build. You got to have people who are not just, oh, what's this? It's a nail. Oh, okay. Where's it go? Like they need to know that stuff to be able to build a house well. Whatever. And sometimes it can seem silly or or like, how could this talent ever be used? But I'm telling you, if you're good at something, there's some way you can help somebody around you. Teach people how to cook. A lot of young people don't know how to cook. Oh, how long do I put the burrito in the microwave for, right? That's our (laughs) frozen burrito. That's our culture. Uh, But we can teach them how to cook, provide for the family, teach them nutrition, teach them health. Everybody talking about health the past year, to be safe. If you have a car, you can drive people to appointments. Talk with partners and hope they would love to get you involved in driving people to appointments and to jobs. Whatever, we could go on and on and on and on. We're not. Whatever you have in your life, whatever God has given you, money, but also energy, time, talent, skills, love, whatever God's given to you, Don't waste that. I guess it's not wasting it. Don't use it only for yourself. And in a way that is wasting it. Use it to benefit and serve the people around you. God has gifted you with finances, with resources, not always money, but with resources of your body, your mind, what you can do, your knowledge, as well as money, to not just stay with you, just like everything else. Like everything else in our lives. It flows from God to bless us and then don't let it stop there. Overflow what God has given you, the blessings He's given you to bless the people around you, to affect change in the people around you, to love and serve and give to the people around you. And that is... That'll change the world. That changes... The world, when we live our lives, not just for ourselves, but for people around us, live generously in every single way. God calls us to live generous lives, to advance His kingdom, and to love and serve the people around us. And double bonus, it also transforms our hearts in the process. So, how this week will you plan? It's not going to happen by accident, it's not easy, but it is important. We've got to plan this stuff if we want things to happen. Like January 1st, I'm not going to eat donuts. And then January 2nd, well, it's only half a donut. Right? If you don't plan it, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And even when we do plan it, sometimes it's hard. But how this week, how today, could you plan to grow in contentment and generosity? What do you need to do to help you get to the next step? And will you practice being thankful for what you have instead of being discontent for what you don't have and will you always keep your eyes and your ears open and attentive to the needs around you that you could bless, that you could impact with your time and talents and energy and resources and love let's be a people who live out a generous life In every single way. And when we do that, that more monster in our hearts will shrink and shrink like the Grinch. His heart grew three sizes bigger because it wasn't about stuff anymore. It wasn't about greed. His heart grew with love. And our hearts can grow three sizes bigger. Hopefully not physically. If you do, you may want to see a doctor. That's a medical condition. But our heart can grow bigger in the things of God and Jesus, which crowd out and shrink the greed in our life. We're going to sing one last song. And I just want to remind us about Jesus. I know we talk about him a lot uh, because he changes everything. Anybody remember John 3.16? Say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. My kids do this thing from junior church. I think they jump off of something. Will not perish but have eternal life, is what Nikki does. And they know that. And kids need to know that at a young age, what Jesus did. But you know why that verse is so important? It changes everything in our life. But what does it show? That God and Jesus are the most generous beings in the universe. God gave us everything. The universe, life. But he also gave us his son Jesus, who gave us his life. Who gave us everything that you can possibly give to somebody. He sacrificed his life in our place. Generous. Generous. 100% generous. Giving us abundant life that starts today and goes on forever. So let's stand to praise our most generous God and seek to grow and be more like Him. from our deepest depths, that we need you. That there is something fundamentally wrong and broken in this world that hurts everyone, that affects everyone. That's called sin. And it has separated us from you, Lord. And there is only one way back, and his name is Jesus. God, I pray. That you would empower us, strengthen us, pour out your spirit on us this week to be your people, doing what you called us to do and where you called us to do it. No matter where we're at or what we're doing, help us to represent you well so that other people, not just about us, but that other people may know you and also be saved. And God, I pray that you would help us grow that desire for you And the things of your kingdom rather than just the things of this world that are fleeting, that are passing, that are going to burn, that are not going to last. Help us to get rid of that greed in our hearts for the things of this life and seek after your righteousness and your ways above all. We love you, God. Thank you for changing our lives and our eternity. We thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.